0: This morning's Bible reading will be from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. I'll be reading from the NASB version. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Good morning. I am very. There we go. I'm very thankful that you are here today. I know that we've had many who have been gone on fall break. Thank you for coming back from fall break. I know you're well rested and tanned, right, everybody? Today, uh, I know today's a struggle. Uh, you've been out of the, your routine this week, but I'm glad that this is a part of your routine and that you are here today. I look out and realize we have guests here today. Thank you for choosing to be here, and I hope that you will come back and you will worship with us again very soon. (laughs) This past week was a really neat week with our our prayer day on on Thursday. uh, As you look, we had a little over 100 here if you add up every different session, and I did find it interesting that on a day that the governor asked for fasting and prayer, we still had a meal, because that's how we roll, right? You know why? Because Chick-fil-A doesn't count against the fast. I think that's sort of how it goes. So we served that for all of our first responders. We had a really good day. We also have something coming up that I really want you to be a part of. We're gonna have a fall festival this next Saturday night. It'll be a night that there will be food and desserts and if you'd like to be a a part of a a dessert contest and it's not how much you can eat, I was told that that's not the case. It is a who cooks the best dessert, that will be uh, something that will be judged and also there will be a trunk or treat. What we really need is a lot of trunks. We need people who are willing to do that so that we, not only our children, can go through, but so that we can invite people and people can have a great experience here. It'll be a chance for us to get to know people better, so I hope you'll be a part of that. And today's a day I've been talking about for a couple weeks. Today, as soon as services are over, uh, more than likely many of you are going to eat lunch. I know there's a couple of meals here. Uh, there's meals different places as you are, will go out to eat today or you may go home. Today, talk about whoever you go eat with. Talk about your conversion story. Talk about you coming to Jesus. Be ready to share that with someone and everybody go around and share it. I think it will be a blessing. We want to be sharing that story with the world. And the the best way to do that is to learn how to tell it to the people we are closest to. So I hope today that we will do that. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today. You are great and mighty and wonderful and awesome. We come before you and ask for your strength to help us do what you've called us to do. Lord, help us to be people who tell other people about you. God, you are absolutely amazing, and you have shared a message with us that you want to be shared with others. Lord, help us to do that. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It's interesting, I remember growing up and being in school, and every six weeks we had this little cardstock card that went home with us, it was our report card. It was always for some a great time of anxiety. For others is a great time of joy because they they were gonna go home and many times they would go home with A's and their families would be very, very happy. There's also times you go home and it's more like this. Is the dad will share with the son, well, son, I've got some good news and bad news. And, and well, well, dad, what's the, the bad news, son? The bad news is you failed the eighth grade. Well, what's the good news? Well, you can be president of eighth grade again next year. He said that's what he wanted him to know. He's going to see a positive side to that. When it comes out, it is a challenge to go through. And I know that you may have gotten a grade on a report card. Now, I heard they, they actually mail them home or email them. We actually put them in our hands and we took them home. And so there was opportunity for things that weren't good between the schoolhouse and home. You had to say, can I make that F look like a B? If that D, if I just draw a line in, will my family think it's a B? Then can I fix it? At first, all the uh, report cards were white and people would use white out. Then they changed colors and they messed everybody up for trying to fix it because as far as I know, most people don't like to fail. We don't like to fail. And you go through the grades, you're like, who came up with that A, B, C, D, and why did you skip E and go straight to F? It is because F meant failure. And E, they said, that that just doesn't work with our system. This all started at at a college called Mount Holyoke. In 1897, they came up with a grading scale, 95 to 100 was an A, and anything less than a 75 was considered failing. Now, many of us, our standards were probably a little relaxed in school. That was under a 70 was considered failing. But they said within 20 years, educators across the U.S. had all picked up this same grading scale, assessing when they looked at it, who has done well and who has what, who has failed. I, I sit there and think about that. When it comes to success and failure, we have different ideas. It's one thing to fail a test. That may be a thing you go, wow, I need to study better next time. And, and if you're like me, sometimes in school, every test was a pop quiz. If you don't keep up real well when they're coming, that happens. And maybe you had a bad day, maybe, but maybe it's a test that your entrance exam into school somewhere. Maybe there's a difference in failing your driver's test. You can fail the written portion. You can fa- fail the driver portion. But the good thing is you get to take it again. But there are different standards for what is failing and what is passing. If You may have failed an eye test. If you can't see this clearly, it is blurry. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I put a blurry one up. That means you're seeing good. But if, you can't, if it's blurry there, that means you need some type of, uh, of correction to help you see. You may have failed a stress test before whether you've got on that treadmill and walked to the point that they got your heart to a certain level and heart rate and then see how it works, or maybe they did it with some type of drugs, that you may have gone that and failed it and said, hey, we need to look and see if you need a stent, a blockage, what it is that you have going on. But standards of failure is very different. Ted Williams was one of the greatest baseball players to ever live. This picture, he and Mickey Mantle, that's two of the greats. He said, what do you call someone who fails seven out of every ten times in baseball? A Hall of Famer. If you hit the ball three out of every ten times, that would be a 300 average. Guess what? You go to the Hall of Fame with that. Failure has a different standard depending on what you're in. Sometimes it's pretty big. I think there's only two categories of skydivers. Good ones and X ones that ain't around. That sounds bad, but I think that's the truth. That failure has a very different meaning. Can I ask you a very personal question? What does it mean to fail at evangelism? And what does it mean to succeed at evangelism? Because there's not a report card. It doesn't go out, well, you got a C in this or a D in that. We don't get that. What does it mean to success, to succeed or fail at evangelism? So we say, well, that's simple. To succeed at evangelism means that somebody's baptized for remission of their sins. That's success. And to fail at evangelism is when someone refuses to listen or makes a decision not to follow. Can I tell you, when this happened, it is really hurt. It really hurts. I remember being in a Bible study a few years ago with a young lady and had talked with her. She had visited our congregation for a while, her and her fiancé, and and uh, we had had a couple of Bible studies and then we sat down to sort of have one where I wanted to talk to her about her decision to become a Christian. And I thought it had gone really well and at the end she said, I just don't think I need to. And she had agreed that the Bible means what it says all the way through and and she chose that day to to not only... Stop the Bible study, but stop attending. Did I feel like a failure? Yeah, I did. What could I have said? What could I have done? Those are the things that I I actually still think about today. That's sort of how my brain works. Could I have done something different? Could I have approached it differently and, and just gone through? And the thing is, for whatever reason, she heard the truth but chose not to hear it. Did I fail? See, when you're looking for a definition of evangelism, it's amazing the ones that are out there. Merriam-Webster uh, dictionary defines evangelism as this it, it is the, the winning or revival of a personal commitment to, to Christ. Is that what the Bible says evangelism is? To win somebody else to Jesus, is that what the Bible says evangelism is? I like this definition, evangelism, a word that scares Christians. I think it does. I think the thought of us talking to someone else, sitting down and being that vulnerable and sharing the message with others is something that that is very scary. I think that's probably why so few people do it. And also, we don't want to fail. Most of us don't like failing at something. If we fail at something, there there are those who who said, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, uh, I remember a, a man one time, his wife came to me and said, uh, my husband mentioned he wanted to learn how to play guitar. Would you give him guitar lessons? And we worked out a time to meet, and I came over, and uh, we we spent a lesson together. And then after the third lesson, he said, listen. He said, I mentioned this on a whim, and my wife really thought I wanted to do this. He said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not getting any better at it. I'm like, okay, you have totally played guitar in your life for about an hour and a half now. He said, buying retail, I'm not going to be good at it. So I really don't want to do it. See, he was frustrated because everything else this guy did, he was incredible at. If we'd gone to play golf, he'd have shot in the 70s. He played uh, college basketball. He was somebody who wanted to learn how to to, to write short stories and, and mystery stories. And so he took a short internet course on it, and wrote one, and it, the first one he wrote was published. And then he got bored and wanted to do something else. He, he mastered everything, but since he didn't think he could master this, very quickly he said, I'm out. And I think sometimes that's where we are. See, one of the verses I look at for evangelists, Mark 16, 15, and 16, it, it's Mark's uh, account of the Great Commission, And you may be familiar with it. You may not have ever read it before. Whatever, let's look at this together like you've never seen it. And Jesus said to them, what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believeth not will be condemned. See, I see two parts on this. One is the part that Jesus gave me to go in the world and teach or preach the gospel to everybody. And then it's the part for the person that's being taught to believe and be baptized or not believe. See, I can only be responsible for myself. I don't know if you know that or not. I can't be responsible for anybody else. My responsibility in evangelism evidently is to teach God's Word and show God to other people. It is somebody else's responsibility how they respond to that. I think that's tough because I like succeeding. But if my view is the only time a successful, uh, per, the only, only successful time the gospel's been shared is when somebody is baptized into Christ, then I'm failing a lot, and I would be somebody who really, really wouldn't want to fail that much. But is that failing at evangelism? I don't think so. This morning, I don't want to redefine evangelism. I actually want us to define it the way the Bible says it. Because what happens is, if we define it as the only time evangelism is successful is when somebody is baptized into Christ, then we will fail a lot, and it will cause us not to do that. If we let God's Word tell us what evangelism is, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't usually say a lot of Greek words. I, I don't speak it very, very well. But Galeon. It is the word for evangelism. And it's the word that, that we see that it's really the gospel. It's the good news. When it was said at that time, the, the thought was that a king had told some his messenger to go spread some good news. Like what? The king is coming. We see this in scripture. It's it's used in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now, after John was arrested, this is John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. He has good news. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's proclaiming this good news that has come from God that what? The king is here. So that's the message. The Messiah has come. The one who's come to take away sins is here. The the Son of God has been born in the flesh on earth. The promised Messiah is here. Young Galestes, one who proclaims the good news. It's the word we get evangelist. And, And I think the problem with the word evangelist is we use that as a synonym for the preacher. Our guest evangelist this week will be so-and-so, they're going to come in and speak to us in our gospel meeting, or our summer of faith, we're going to have this evangelist come in. And we have sort of circled that off as this is a person who is a full-time paid preacher in the church. That's what an evangelist is. Interesting. I'm not sure that's how the Bible used it. Look at right here. Even though Paul is writing to a young preacher, Timothy, a young disciple, it says, as for you, he's already told him to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, Um, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. What's that work? Tell people that Jesus has come and he's coming back. Do the work of an evangelist. Be somebody who goes out and spreads God's word. That's what, what we've been called to do. That's who all of us should be not just the people who stand on, these, on this podium with a tie on. It, that, that's not the only evangelist. All of us are called to be evangelists, people that tell people of Jesus. What's interesting is when we look at Acts 21 verse 8, it says, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and there we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with them." It's interesting. Why would they call him an evangelist? Because he went around evangelizing. Remember they called Barnabas? Barnabas means encourager because he was such an encourager. He, he gave of his means. He, he's the person that came put his arm around Paul and took him to places so people would listen to him. And so he became the son of encouragement. That's what people called him. Philip went around telling people about Jesus. So people said, wow, that guy does this so much. He is the evangelist. Remember, he's the one that spoke to the Ethiopian and what shared the good news of Jesus about him. So we have a message just good news, and we have people who are to share the good news, and that's everybody. And then we have the word yongelizo, which means what? Evangelism. Evangelism, doing what? Bringing the good news, telling the good news. And can I tell you, that word is not reserved for preachers. It's for all of us. See, this morning in in Bible class, you probably just looked at the parable of the sower. Whether you looked at Mark's version or Matthew's version or, or Luke's version, whenever I open up and I look at this parable, I find it interesting that I usually go straight to the soils. As the sower went out, what some soil fell on the, 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 the path, some fell on the rocky ground, some on the thorny ground, and some on the good ground. We realized that the birds came and got it off the path because it could not go, could not be planted. The the rocky ground, it sprung up, but there wasn't enough for the roots to develop, so uh, they didn't last long. The thorns that grew up and finally were choked out, and the good soil, everything grew up great, and it was something that, that was a blessing. And I looked through, and the thing is, sometimes... I miss the obvious part of that, which is what I want you to get today. Don't miss this about the parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow. That was his life. If he doesn't sow, guess what? He will starve to death. (laughs) A sower goes out to sow. And what's beautiful about this parable, this parable is different than other parables of Jesus because some parables Jesus never explains. You don't know what he means. He goes back and said, Oh, yeah, I'm going to explain each part of it. But he goes back and said, The seed is the word of God. A sower goes out to sow the seed. The seed is the word of God. Are you sowing the seed? See, we're in the middle of our fall focus, and we spent the first month on being connected to Christ. That's where it begins. second month on being connected to His church, and the third month we're talking about being connected to the community. That means that we're going to be outreach-oriented. We're going to be people who share God's Word. Are we sowing the seed of the kingdom? We sang the song a while ago, Are You you Sowing the Seed? And, And growing up, can I tell you, I didn't really think about the meaning of that song because I laughed all the way through it. Sorry, that's just who I was. Because there was a long way between the word king and the word dumb. And I had a brother. It was always are You saw in the seed of the king, dumb brother. If you've never done that, you've missed out. And I could poke him. And I had my cousins were brothers in Christ, so I could poke them and ask them if they were doing this. And so I sort of missed the, the point of the song. And the point of the song is that's who we are. Where do people be people who are constantly so see The evangelist is not a paid position, it is God's people. An evangelist is a poor man, as as, as Keith Parker says, it's one beggar telling another beggar where, where to find bread. That's who we are. That's how we'll make a difference in this world. St. Francis of Assisi had this quote. He said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I understand what he means. He means do good. But I'm going to tell you, if we don't use our mouth to tell people about Jesus, they'll be lost. We have to do more than just good deeds. Now, what's great is the good deeds at times will help people to listen to us. It will give us credibility. They will know that we love them. Therefore, they're more likely to listen. But if we're going to be people who are evangelists, we have to be people who speak the gospel, who say it out loud, not say it loudly. Those are two things. Who speak it out loud. Sometimes it works in a whisper. Sometimes it it works in being able to sit across and allowing people to see God's Word. Sometimes it is through the way we love them and they want to know, hey, can you tell me about this Jesus? And sometimes you say, hey, I want to tell you about the Jesus I serve. That's the reason that I try to do what I do. It is a big deal. Why? Because our job is to be sowing seed. And the thing is, the sower went out and he was not Particular about where he sowed it, he threw it everywhere. He threw it everywhere, and the thing is, we have to do the same thing. Because I'm going to tell you, it may be one thing to be able to choose what is good soil out in the field. There's not a one of us who's wise enough wise enough to choose what good soil is when it comes to the heart of man and who will accept Jesus or not. I'm just not that smart. There's not one of us that, that can look around and go, you know what, I think that person would be a really good Christian because they already believe in a lot. We just need to teach them to worship a little different, so let's do it over there. But let's overlook this person over here who doesn't believe in God. Don't do that. Can I tell you, there is no way any of us would sit back and go, you know what, that Saul of Tarsus, he'd make a great preacher. If we could just convert him, look at the difference. They'd be like, mm, let, let's not go there. A sower goes out to sow. See, that word evangelism throughout Scripture, that that spreading of the good news, we see it over and over again. Realize that was the purpose. Jesus says He came for that reason. Luke 4, verses 42 and 43 says, And when it was day, He departed, and He went to a desolate place. And the people sought Him and came to Him and would have kept Him from leaving them. But He said to them, I must preach what the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. When you see the word preach, don't think up front, out loud in a tie. Think speaking to someone else. Truly proclaim. I've come to proclaim. I've come to tell people about the king. John the Baptist, what did he spend his, his short life doing? Luke 3.18 says, So with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. Pretty sure he never wore a tie. That camel hair stuff. You know, he he had a different wardrobe. He went around telling people who Jesus is, and and look what Jesus said. What happens is he was arrested, and he was going to be killed, and he had disciples. People followed him. He was going around telling people about Jesus, and so he sent his disciples to Jesus and said. Hey, go see if he is the Messiah. Look what Jesus said back in Luke 7, verse 22. He said, Then Jesus answering said to them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how the blind see, how the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. Don't miss the last one. He said, I'm not just the Messiah because I've healed people. I'm not just the Messiah because deaf people cannot hear The Messiah is the Messiah because he is proclaiming who he is. The gospel is being preached. See, in the early church, what was the the key point of the gospel? It was evangelism. It was making sure that that, that God's word was sown, that the seed was sown. You you look in in Acts chapter 2 and you have this sermon telling people who believed in God that, yes, you believed in God, but guess what? You killed his son. You killed his son, but I've got some really good news. If you will repent and be baptized, all your sins can be taken away. And what happened? The good news was preached to them. And that day, 3,000 people said yes. Can I tell you, that day was not successful just because 3,000 people were baptized. That day was successful because people heard the gospel. Who added the increase? God did. In Acts chapter 5, we see the early church says, and every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus, that the Christ, who the Messiah. It wasn't just on Sundays. They went day to day. They went everywhere from house to house, letting people know and spreading the good news. In Acts chapter 1, we read about Saul of Tarsus, and and it's interesting. Look what happens. In Acts chapter 2, it seems like things are going pretty well for the, the Jewish Christians. They've been baptized. The churches are at 3,000 within a few days. There are 5,000 men, so there's no telling what the total number would be. But everything changes in Acts 8. It says, And Paul approved of the execution. That was Stephen's execution. And there arose in that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered through the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The devout men buried Stephen and a great, made great lamentation over them. Don't miss that word scattered. That's a seed word. Dispersion, diaspora. It is a seed word. It is what a, 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 a sower does when they come out and grab a handful of seed and they throw it out. They are dispersing seed everywhere. And what happens, the believers were scattered, guess what? So was the Word of God. Here's what's beautiful. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering the house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. Everywhere they went, they told people who Jesus is. Acts 8.25, it says, Now when they had testified and spoken to the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to the many villages of the Samaritans. Who'd they tell anybody who would listen? They they weren't going, okay, we're going to have one row, we're going to put one little seed down one at a time. No, we're going to spread God's word anywhere and everywhere. So we drop down in chapter 8, and we have the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. And it says, and, and Philip, remember the evangelist, not his job title, but who he was, somebody who constantly told people the gospel. He said, about whom, I asked, does this prophet say this about him himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with Scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road... They came to some water, and the eunuch said, See here what prevents me from being baptized. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and both uh, they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him, and he went on his way rejoicing. And guess what? And Philip went on and kept spreading God's word somewhere else. Where would the eunuch have been if Philip had not cared enough to share Jesus with him? See, because of the Ethiopian, the gospel will now be in a whole new country <laughs> with somebody else whose job it is to tell others. Why? Because sowers go out to sow. We are to be people who are sowers of God's Word. We look here and talk about a bad day at the office. Let's look at what happened to Paul in Acts chapter 14, verse 19 through 22. It says, but the Jews came from Antioch. And Iconium. and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he raised up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. While he is proclaiming the good news, they start throwing rocks at him with the intention to kill him. And they evidently hit him so many times, he hits the ground, and they drag him out of the city, and they think he's dead. So I don't know about you, but I'd take some workman's comp time and take a couple of weeks off. He went with Barnabas Said when he preached the gospel. To that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Can you imagine having a man stand up and say, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God who is bruised and been beaten and scarred? So you don't need a PowerPoint when you've got something that powerful in front of you. Being able to share that, that is who he was. Why? Because sowers go out to sow. That is what we have been called to do. And, and, and it matters. It matters if we tell people or not. It, it makes a huge difference. See, in, in the book of Romans, we, we get to Romans chapter 3. We learn that all people have sinned, That therefore all people need Jesus. They all need the grace and, and they need the gospel of God. In Romans chapter 6, we we're going to talk just a little bit about baptism. He's going to say, realize everyone who's been baptized has done what? You were baptized into his death. You were buried with him in the baptism in the death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead in the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. He says, Well, every time someone is baptized, they reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then we get to chapter 10. We get to chapter 10. Paul is going to talk to them about the need to be gospel speakers. People who sow seed. Verse 8 says, but, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10 For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe that's a reference to baptism. To saying, I'm confessing Jesus Christ is Lord, he is the son of God. You go back to verse six. I want to be baptized. I want to be death, burial, and resurrected, walking a new life. He said, people need to hear this. Look what he says in verse 14. But how will people call on him in whom they have not believed? And, and, and how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching and teaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet to those who preach the good news. What he's saying is here, we have to be people who tell people. We have to be people who who share that because they need Jesus and they are going to hear it. If they're going to hear it, they have to hear it from his people. We have to realize we have been sent. That's what the Great Commission is. We have been sent to be the people who tell other people about Jesus. He said, but they have not not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that they have heard from us, so faith cometh by hearing, and hearing through the word of God. We are to be sowers who go out to sow. That's us. That's who we are. What should the Mount Juliet Church be known for? Disciples who make Disciples. We're disciples of Christ who who are committed to making disciples of Christ. You may be saying, Craig, what do I tell people? I I would love to, but I don't know. I don't have a a, a page of notes in front of me. I, I think there's some very simple things. One, tell people that Jesus loves them and show them why you're telling them. Let them know that Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins so that our sins would be paid for. Let him know that he was put in a grave and three days later he was raised from the dead and after that he ascended and he went back to heaven and one day he is coming back to take his followers home. That's who we need to be. People who show and tell others who Jesus is. And you're going, I don't know, I I want to be successful at this. Your success does not determine by who doesn't listen, or who, by who listens, or who even chooses to be baptized. Your success is noted by those who have shared Jesus with others. Please don't think about it like this. This person who's going down and putting one seed every so many inches apart. Think about it like those who are going out in their yards right now and overseeding, going out and spreading as many seeds as possible. You know why? Because we want as many to respond as possible. And many times you're going, I don't know what to do, Craig. I, I don't know how, how to do this. And, and and what if it doesn't make a difference? Listen, you may be the planner and somebody else may water it, but guess what? God's who adds the increase anyway. Leave that part to God. When we see people baptizing their Christ, that is why we praise God for His work. And know this promise that as God's word is taught, he says, you know, as we're planting the seed, that God promises in Isaiah 55, 11, his word will not return to him void. His word can make a difference and it can break down a closed heart. God and his word are that powerful. Our job is to teach the gospel and love people. The other person's job, responsibility, is to accept it. And God is the one who said he gives the increase. Sort of back to where we started. And he said to them, what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's be what? Let's go out and let's tell people who Jesus is. Let's spread that good news. And realize there there are repercussions for those who choose not to follow him. So we want to encourage them, but realize that part of the decision is up to them. We can't coerce somebody into being a Christian. We can't uh, try to manipulate them into becoming a Christian. They must make that decision. Can we encourage them? Yes. Can we pray for them? Yes. Can we continue to love people? Yes. But we want people to come to Christ, but for that to happen, they must hear the Word of God, and that needs to be who we are, people who sow seed today can we help you it may be that today the the seeds got a hold of you and God has you say today I want to become a Christian I want to be baptized from a mission of the sins that'd be the greatest thing that could happen today we would love to help you with that and see that or it may be today that you want to ask courage and ask God to be with you as you start to be somebody who leaves here today and somebody who's going to be evangelistic in their life we pray that that would happen today if we can help you would you come now while we stand and while we sing